Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whenever and wherever it is that you're listening to us. We want to thank you in advance. We as fans have always appreciated your input as fellow fans. When you're happy, we're happy. When you're upset, we are too, but sometimes we're just a little bit more honest. We are the Bastards of Boston Baseball. You can find us on Twitter at Bastards underscore Boston. I'm your host, Charlie Smith, coming to you from Providence, Rhode Island. You can find me on Twitter at Smith underscore MLB. Our other hosts for the episode tonight are Terry Cushman coming to us from Myrtle Beach in South Carolina by way of Wyndham, Maine, and Cody Paulson coming to us from Houston, Texas by way of Ponte Vedra, Florida. Cody, how are you doing and where can the fans find you on Twitter? Gents, I'm doing well. Good to be on with you all. Everybody can find me on Twitter at the Cody Paulson. Terry, how are you doing tonight? I am doing well. Again, happy to be back into the normal routine. Uh, I think we've got some really good topics for Totally Legit Calling the Cops tonight. Um, so, going to be a fun show. Absolutely. And Terry, where can the fans find you on Twitter? At Cushman MLB. Love it. Awesome. Excellent. We're going to get right into it. So, with Totally Legit or Calling the Cops, first topic tonight. Is this totally legit, or are you going to call the cops? Alex Cora will still be the manager on July 1st. Cody, lead us off. As much as it pains me to say, I got to say this is totally legit. Uh, I mean, this team is at 500 right now. We are kind of playing above expectations. I think if you had told us at the beginning of the season that we'd be 500 at this point, all of us would have signed up for that in a heartbeat. We wouldn't even have looked under the hood to see how we got here. We would have been like, hey, 500, we're in. Um uh, I don't know if Cora's in it for the long haul, however, though. I think if this team underperforms in the next month, if they look to become sellers at the deadline, they might get Cora up out of there. Because um, in my personal opinion, I don't think he has been a net positive on this team this year. I think he has oftentimes been outmanaged by opposing managers. Uh, this team does not appear to have um, a lot of cohesion in terms of the fight. You have a lot of individual contributors that are unwilling to give up and that are trying to contribute, you know, innings one through nine. But, you know, he tossed in a late game ejection today to show some life after their players only meaning the defense continues to be a, a huge thorn in the side of this team. And if that's not coaching, if that's not the manager, then I don't know what is. He comes on and he, you know, claims accountability, but he has yet wants to say, you know, it's on me to get these guys ready. It's on me to, you know, fire these guys up. Um, he always just says, hey, you know, the players need to play better or the players are the ones that we have uh, kind of pushing blame up the ladder. Um, I'm personally not a fan of, of his management style, uh, but the team has done well enough for him to stay through the end of June. I just don't think he uh, sticks around for the entire season. Terry. I am on the other end of the spectrum here. I am going to call the cops. I think Alex Cora will most likely be fired at some point in June. Now, if you remember June of last year, that that's when fire the manager season took place. Um, Joe Madden fired from the angels, Joe Girardi, who I never thought would be fired uh, that early in the season, if even at all, uh, fired from the Philadelphia Phillies. Uh, I think the Charlie Montoyo firing in uh, Toronto happened in July. 
Two of these three teams I just mentioned went on to make the playoffs after the manager got fired. I don't think that's going to make a huge difference here. But some interesting things have happened in the last week. Number one, you had Chris Sale hurt himself. And in the game that he was taken out of against Cincinnati, Alex Cora and the trainers went out and had a conversation with him. His velocity was way down. And Chris Sale talked them into letting him pitch again. Do you think Buck Showalter lets Justin Verlander pitch again? Or does he shut him down and pull him immediately out of the game? I think it was a terrible move by Alex Cora to to let him, uh, you know, face one or two more batters. And uh, I would be, if I'm John Henry, I'm pissed. I have a lot of money invested into Chris Sale, and we might have done a little bit more damage there. Another thing to consider, we are still the worst defensive team in MLB for the second year in a row. That's been a hallmark of Alex Cora's tenure here. We just haven't been good defensively, and it's been a coaching problem and perhaps even a leadership problem, which ties into the sale thing. Alex Cora should have been a leader, pulled him out of the game. There, there's a lot of failures of leadership here. The Red Sox just lost their third of their last four series. Um, and then another interesting thing, too, Alex Cora, after the... I forget which game it was, uh, games two or three, I think, of the um, Ray series here. He, he told the beat writers, the roster is the roster when they're talking about different scenarios. Maybe that was an unintentional dig at Bloom. Maybe that's like, I'm doing the best I can with what I have. I just don't have a lot. And perhaps the front office might not have appreciated that. And finally, you get to his ejection today. I think that's, that's a, you know, uh, I'm trying to, I'm searching for the word right now. Uh, I don't think it's a coincidence that he's under a lot of pressure and he completely lost his you-know-what out there. I think him getting ejected is a symptom of him feeling a ton of pressure. I think he knows he's on the hot seat, and I think he's feeling a little bit vulnerable. I really do. So I just, I think we're in for a rough month, and I think it's going to end with Alex Cora no longer here. And Bloom's not going to be much further after him, I don't think. But I don't think Bloom is going to, is going to get fired without at least trying someone else, um, you know, instead of Alex Cora. I struggle with this because I really think that Bloom had an opportunity to do something with that and didn't. He opted to go with the, I'm not going to do anything with the manager. I'm going to continue to mess about with the prospects and do the trades that I'm going to do or not do and then sign the people I'm going to sign and not extend people that I don't want to extend anymore. So I think that's kind of a, a kind of crappy cop out if that's that ends up being the uh, the call. Um, but me personally, when it comes to these two, as far as this is concerned, I'm really struggling to say this is totally legit because while he's made some kind of woof decisions, I think he is really left with a subpar team thanks to, thanks to Bloom. I mean, this is... This falls on ownership. This falls on Bloom. You can only do so much with the team that you've got. And I, I stand behind it. Like, I, I, I'm i with him. 
if you have a crap product and you have a lot of injuries and you don't have any reinforcements, yeah, you're 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 bringing up people from AAA Worcester with an ERA of eight, expecting them to be a solution. That's a joke. That's an absolute joke. So I'm calling the cops on here. If that ends up being the case, then it's not the first time. It's going to be the second time that Bloom has made a decision that you know, for the lack of a better term, was not in the interest of the team. Um, it is what it is. You know, every manager accepts the role of being a manager, knowing full well that they're going to be fired one day unless they retire. Uh, Terry, anything else you want to add? I just want to mention something I brought up in April when we were like six games under 500. Um, just to revisit it, I think ownership would prefer Hein Bloom to fire. Alex Cora than having ownership or even Sam Kennedy doing it after the season. I just think it's easier on their conscience to make somebody else do it. Uh, and I, I could see them using bloom as the Avenue uh, to get that done. Make, make bloom their scapegoat when it comes to parting ways with Alex Cora. Absolutely. Cody, anything else you want to add? All right, right on. Second topic tonight for totally legit or calling the cops. Jaron Duran, not Tristan Casas, will be the one demoted when Adam Duvall gets called back in. Is this totally legit or are you calling the cops? Terry, lead us off. I'm going to say it's totally legit that Duran gets sent down because, uh, and Micah on the midweek show kind of, influenced my thoughts on this if Casas gets sent down it's pretty easy to put Justin Turner over at first but who backs him up at this point there's no one unless there's a second move you could DFA a guy like Pablo Reyes and then call up Bobby Dahlbeck but I don't know if that's ideal either despite you know Dahlbeck being on a decent run here I just think with Duran struggling equally as much, not getting on base at nearly as good of a clip because Casas is still a walk machine as much as he frustrates us in, in other aspects. Uh, and I just feel like I just feel like Duran's going to be the odd man out and you can put Ref Snyder in there a little bit more, probably get some some pretty good production, still some very good defense there. I just feel like as frustrating as Casas is, it's just the pieces fit better with him staying and Duran leaving. So that's where I stand on that. Cody, anything you want to add? I was totally prepared to come on here and say, no way, Terry. I think Casas is the one that gets sent down. Uh, Jaron Duran is going to be a crucial part of it. Even Alex Corey himself had said so. Um, you know, I was going to talk about, you know, Duran's athletic ability, how much of an improvement that he's made, you know, the, the hot, incredibly hot start that he had, right. We've never seen that kind of stretch from Casas. You know, we've always seen Duran be that four a player crush it down in Worcester and then come up and just not be able to get it done. And he was finally getting it done and we were so excited. Um, but then you, you talked about the position and the depth, right. And it was like, oh, wow. Yeah. Turner plays first. And, and then what? Right. And I think it's just unfortunate, right? Because say, you know, even when story comes back, our dream scenario we saw play out today is Hernandez goes back to the grass and gets off the dirt, right? That's another another person blocking Duran being in the outfield. 
Um, so I would have to say it is totally legit that Duran is the one that gets sent down through no fault of his own, right? He is by far our most dynamic and our most, most athletic player that we have on the team. His speed is sensational. You know, he's turning ground balls to right and left field into doubles, um, almost at a hundred percent, but you got to have a little bit more depth on the infield. You got to have a little bit more flexibility. And I think uh, Costas gives them that where Duran is, is pretty limited to the outfield, albeit he has gotten a lot better defensively hand up. We have to admit that he has been um, much improved there. There's just too many bodies and uh, it's a real bummer to see. So, I've been on that train of saying I was completely wrong about Jaron Duran, like a lot of other people. Um, Duran was hitting a double. It felt like every game, sometimes two, and was just doing everything possible. Tristan Casas hasn't blown me away either, but I feel like Jaron Duran has regressed a little bit more than, than Casas as far as where they were from the start of the season to where they are now. When Jaron Duran comes back, you losing... Tristan Casas means you lost an infielder, you added an outfielder. If you lose an outfielder, you get an outfielder. The net is the same. You, you, there's no net loss there. So you're getting someone who can play center field and actually hit for power. Duvall's batting average is not going to stay above 400. We know that. But we know that he's actually going to get on base. And he's going to do it at a pretty consistent level in relation to what Jaron Duran did. So I absolutely believe that this is totally legit. Jaron Duran will be the one that gets demoted when Adam Duvall does come back. Short and sweet here. It's just because you lose an outfielder, you get an outfielder, someone with pop. Tristan Casas can still do damage. I just feel that Jaron Duran is striking out way too frequently half the time. It's just too much. Uh, anything else that either one of you two want to add? Right on. We'll move into the third topic tonight. We're totally legit. We're calling the cops. Kenley Jansen is traded by the Red Sox at the deadline. Totally legit. We're calling the cops. Cody, why don't you lead off? Oh boy, this one's spicy. Um, I think this whole next—I mean, this this entire segment kind of feels like what happens in the next month, right? You know, if we put together a couple of good series, we're in kind of a position uh, to make some noise. You know, we are an outside chance on on one of those wild card spots. So, um, you know, if we kind of keep where we are, if if not improve slightly, I think we keep them. But if you know we have a bad, a bad series against the guardians, a bad series against uh, the Yankees. Things start to look pretty bad. We could get a haul for him. Um, and we all know how Bloom likes his uh, prospects. Uh, so, here, you know, here I am just kind of talking out loud. <laughs> um, is he traded at the deadline? I think I'm going to call the cops. I don't think he's going to be traded at the deadline. Um, it's too early to, to flip on a guy that we had, committed so much money to uh, in the offseason. We finally got that bona fide closer. Um, and it has shored up a lot of issues for us in the bullpen as well. You know, it's not a rotation. It's not a revolving door of what guy's going to close, uh, you know, close down a game. I think he's proving to be too valuable, um, both on the field and off as a mentor to Bayo and to some of the other guys um, that are kind of finding their legs here in, in um, the organization. So um, calling the cops, I do not think Kenley Jansen gets traded. So this is a hard one, uh, and I, I think this was was me putting it on. I think this scenario was out of my head to add to this. Um, here's here's what makes it hard. We're out of it this year, so there's no value 
in having Kenley on the roster for the remainder of the year. You know, you're just working him out. Just you just kind of keeping things steady. And then you're hoping, you know, that you'll be contending next year and he'll serve out the second year of his contract at $16 million. But I think it's totally legit that the Red Sox will trade him because I've already said the season is over to me. There's, you know, it, it might take a little bit longer for the floor to really drop out from under us, but I think the temptation of getting a decent haul of prospects while also shedding $16 million from next year's payroll, I just think that's too tantalizing for Heim Bloom or whoever the, the GM is going to be leading up to the deadline. I, I, I'd love to have Kenley next year, but I just feel like you can find a closer this winter. Or, or maybe it's someone you you have. Maybe maybe Hout goes back to that role. Maybe Whitlock goes back to that role. I, I have no idea, but I just think there's more value in trading a guy like Jansen, unfortunately. And some of our audience probably isn't ready to give up yet. And I, I would say probably the majority of them aren't ready to give up on the season yet. So they're probably thinking Cushman is nuts with this take, but... I think it's going to make more sense as the weeks go by leading up to the deadline that the Red Sox will trade him. Is this totally legit calling the cops? This is a really, really hard one. I think, yeah, Terry, I think you're going to get the credit for this one. Um, I said at the beginning of the year that Kelly Jensen was going to be one of the guys that could lead, uh, be in the top three, if not lead the American League in saves. And that's because I don't think the Boston Red Sox are going to be a formidable threat. They're not going to have too many opportunities where they're going to get wins. And at the end of the day, if you have Kenley Jensen there, you are going to be able to shut games down nine times out of 10 or eight times out of 10. Kind of a weird little streak that he's had. I don't necessarily blame him. I think bringing him on the second end of a doubleheader after he struck out the side in the first game was a poor decision by Alex Cora. But when you're limited to options, you take a chance with Kenley Jensen because he offers you even him at 70% is better than some of your other guys at a hundred him at 50% is still probably better. Do I see this being totally legit? If I believe that the Red Sox can get an overwhelmingly nice haul for Kenley, I do believe that Kenley will be gone at the deadline. And I can see this being totally legit, but I, I will say that it has got to be a incredible package. Otherwise, Kenley is here to stay. He will pitch out next year and possibly not this trade deadline, but next trade deadline, because this is a two-year deal next year, depending on how he does this year, he could actually have even more value for a team um, that's really trying to push it for 2024. So I will say totally legit pending the package that we receive. Anything that you, uh, Terry. Yeah. Um, the the important thing that I, I probably should have mentioned uh, initially is that he's not a rental. Like, he's not a rental. The next team has him for next year. So that should make the trade package a little bit bigger. Now, last year, Bloom was very fortunate to get out of the Jake Diekman deal. Now, that was only for $4 million, so it wasn't the end of it. But I think he did have a second year on that deal as well. And we ended up getting, you know, Reese McGuire in that trade. So it ended up being a decent trade, but Bloom 
sensed that Diekman could be a liability. And there's still a chance that Kenley could be a liability going into next year too, which I think makes trading him the safer the safer bet right now. You're you're getting rid of you're you're making your farm stronger, you're shedding payroll, and you're getting rid of a, a possible liability. So I'm just talking myself right into on. it more and more as we go. Yep. Uh, the fourth topic we have on totally legit or calling the cops, Luisa Reyes will challenge Ted Williams' batting average of 406 into July. Cody, is this totally legit or are you calling the cops? I think this one's totally legit. I mean, he went three for four tonight to bring his average up to 399. That's a mere seven points away from the fabled 406 number. Which, sidebar, I don't know why that doesn't get talked about more as another one of those crazy statistics. Um, I think it's absolutely bonkers to be able to to have a 400 batting average. But Miami's half a game clear of the wild card spot. They're second in the AL East. I mean, sorry, the NL East, excuse me. Forced to have it there. Um, I think they're what? Just a handful of games behind Atlanta? Yeah, they're only three games back from the division. So this um, this team is going to be motivated to, to make a playoff push. They've had some postseason success recently. Um, there's no reason for this guy to shut down the proverbial thrusters. Um, I think he's going he's gonna to give it his all. And as, you know, even if the season does go a little bit sideways, um, then he can just focus on getting hits, right? So either way, it kind of works out, right? As you're, you know, close to the number, strive for the hits. And if you're in ball games and the season still counts, you're obviously going to want to get on base. So I think he's going to be able to to contend for 400 into late July. Terry. Clarification, this is for the full season or half the season? You know, we could actually say uh, it's actually through July, but okay. I actually think that there's a chance. But yeah, we could say okay. through July. So end of July. I would have botched it big time if I didn't get clarification on that. So if we're going through July, um, I, I will say that it's totally legit. If it was the full season, I would probably call the cops because it just it's it just sounds like too unsustainable. And this is so crazy, though. I mean, he's won a batting title and, you know, players can have a breakout season and, and win a batting title. So that in and of itself isn't shocking, but he's continuing like he's having an even more insane year to follow up the batting title year. And he could be I mean, who who else in, in the National League could be MVP? He doesn't have to worry about Shohei anymore. I mean, he's probably the front runner to win it. And a lot of people like to people like to compare players a lot to Tony Gwynn. And I kind of roll my eyes. But Luisa Rise, I think, could be a legitimate close comp to, to Tony Gwynn. Um they're both good hitters. Neither one of them were particularly power hitters. And uh, I'm pulling up Suzuki's stats right now because I just want to see where he could possibly stack up. So similar, you know, I mean, Suzuki led uh, MLB in hits and it looks like seven or eight seasons uh, all in the, you know, in the early 2000s decade. But 
I'm just wondering, what's the ceiling for Luis Arise? It's just absolutely insane. And I'm starting to think here, like, I can't believe the Marlins got him for only Jorge Lopez, like, and not some massive haul. Like, this could be one of the best trades of this decade for any team, even though it was just a one-for-one that the Marlins got this guy. Uh, So it's just... It's insane to me, um, and I'm okay with it. Being the romantic Red Sox fan that I am, like if Luis Arise goes off the charts and makes history here, breaks Ted Williams' previously thought to be unbreakable record of a yearly 406 batting average, I'm okay if Luis Arise is the guy. I, I wouldn't mind seeing history you know, in my lifetime. So um, through July, I'm saying totally legit. So so Pablo, not, not Jorge Lopez, uh, Pablo Lopez. I got it. Was, was the pitch that came over. Pablo. Yes, it's all good. Hey, I did it too. It's all good. We, we've all been there. Um, I think that he can challenge it through July. I think that at one point you are going to see Luisa Reyes over 400. Um, similar to, I believe, Nomar Garcia Parr at one point in the late 90s, early 2000s had uh, a batting average of, is it like 402, 409? It was actually higher than 10 points for a span of time. And I think he finished, if I'm not mistaken, I think he hit 372. I'm actually going to double check it myself because I remember that was the year that he could do no wrong. Um, Yeah, 372 back in 2000. So that was the year that he just... He just crushed it. He was one of the best hitters in baseball. It was just not even close. Um, I think he can do it for the remainder of the year. I think he'll challenge it. He'll come close. He 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 could he could come close. But I mean, you're gonna have to have multiple two or three hit games in a row, sustain that past 400, and then if you get injured for whatever reason, you're gonna have to try to maintain that batting average and also have enough at bat. So. Luis Arise, um, or Arise, I'm unsure exactly how to pronounce his last name, and I don't Arise. want to be disrespectful. Arise, okay, has only struck out 11 times in 204 at-bats. He does not strike out. He strikes out one at-bat every 20 times. So one strikeout in 20 at-bats. That's stupid numbers. So before tonight, his batting average is 392. His on-base percentage was 445. He's not a home run hitter. He has one home run and 27 RBIs in action before tonight. I think it's going to come close through July. Yes, I will not be surprised. I think this is totally legit. For the end of the year, though, I struggle at saying, yes, this is actually going to happen. Um, if I'm not mistaken, there was a third member in that trade. I just can't remember who it was. I have to look it up. Um, so he was traded by the Minnesota Twins to the Miami Marlins for uh Byron, Shurio, Jose Salas, and uh, Pablo Lopez. So it was a three for one. But to your point, Terry, yeah. really only one person was was known. But only one was known. The other two could be nobodies, right? So um, I, I remember that they ended up getting a, a sweet little little pot for that. Uh, I was actually shocked that Minnesota did it. I thought it was a, a stupid move, but I think it opened the door for for them to make a make a a stride for, you know, Carlos Correa, even though Arise doesn't play short, he does have the ability of playing third. So I thought maybe, I don't know. I, I still think it was a silly move. Um, hindsight being 2020, 
But uh, back to that main point, I do think it's totally legit. Anything else that we want to add for, for this one? Right on. All right. Last topic of the night. Totally legit or calling the cops. The Texas Rangers will end the streak of the Houston Astros as the AL West leaders in 2023. Is this totally legit or are you calling the cops? Cody, lead us off. I'm calling the cops. Um, you know, I think this is going to be one of those. We're going to be a year too late before we're a year too early. Um, I mean, Houston's been what in the ALCS um, or better the last six postseasons. Um, I mean, they've just run roughshod over the uh, AL West as a whole. Um, you know, through their their incredible stretch. Uh, you know, Texas has looked good. We can't deny it, right? Um, Martin Perez is pitching well. Avaldi's pitching. Incredible, as we have, you know, clearly documented tonight. Um, and they're doing all of this with only six starts from DeGrom. Um, you know, they loaded up uh, with, I believe, Seager and Simeon um, on the offensive side. Uh, but the Astros just figure it out, man. If one guy's not working, they call up another dude and he's somehow better. Or, you know, they get a free agent signing or somebody that was designated for assignment. They tweak something and, you know, he's lights out again. Uh, I'm willing to go down with a ship in, in Houston, uh, not just because I live here, but um, they're going to figure it out. I don't think Texas has, you know, the arms or, uh, you know, the weaponry to, to hang over the course of 162. I think it's going to be one of those things looking back like, oh, remember when uh, when Texas had that hot start and things were looking good? Uh, but I think Houston catches them and ends up uh, atop the throne at the end of the season. Terry. I will also call the cops. I'm not like beaming with confidence about it. I, I do think there is a shot that um, that Texas could call the cops. I'm trying to see where they rank right now with their bullpens. Okay. Yeah. So the Rangers have the number 24th ranked bullpen and the Astros are number four right now. So with the bullpens in mind, I trust the trio of uh, Framber Valdez, Christian Javier, and Hunter Brown. I think that's a very formidable one, two, three. They're going to be getting Jose Urquidy back soon. Um, I spoke in the last show. I just, I kind of think that uh, Nathan Avaldi will, I just can't see him not ending up on the injured list for some reason or another. Um, I have extreme trust issues with uh, Jake DeGrom, uh, Andrew Heaney not pitching that well. So I just think in the long run, from a pitching standpoint, the Astros are so much better. And now that they have Jose Altuve back, I just think they're going to I think they're going to leapfrog them eventually and just do that thing that annoyingly the Astros do always do um i will say this though the astros have the 27th ranked farm system so it isn't it isn't the fort knox of prospects that it used to be the rangers have the number seventh ranked prospect uh system so they're more well suited to go after whatever they need at the deadline maybe they'll get a closer named kenley jansen i <laughs> I have no idea. Maybe they'll be the ones. 
But, um, you know, they definitely need to address the bullpen, and I, I think they need one more solid uh, starting pitcher. They have a great offense. In fact, they probably do have a better offense than the Houston Astros, but I just think in terms of balance, the Astros are still going to be the team to beat uh, in the AL West. So uh, I think the Astros are garbage. I think they're trash. <laughs> um, I've been on my soapbox for years saying this. Can't stand them. I think their fan base, for the most part, they're pretty trashy. Um, the Texas Rangers have scored 380 runs. They have scored 102 more runs than the Houston Astros. They've also allowed almost the same number of runs. The Texas Rangers have allowed 227 uh, runs. The Houston Astros have allowed 213. Uh, the Astros are first in the league for runs allowed. Rangers are third. Rangers are first in runs scored. The Houston Astros are in the, I think they're like 17th or something like that. So big difference. The Houston Astros also have one of the most lethal hitters in baseball in Jordan Alvarez, who has a history of injuries. And those injuries can sideline him for a week or two weeks. If they lose Jordan Alvarez, there is nobody in that lineup that is incredibly scary. Jose Altuve, I don't think so. Name your other player here, absolutely not. They're just not lethal. And here's the thing. The Texas Rangers are absolutely dominating everybody in Major League Baseball, and Jacob DeGrom isn't there yet. He's not there. When he comes back, the runs allowed, get they go even lower. The, the offense doesn't change. The team is absolutely insane. I think they're going to baptize the Houston Astros this year. There's really no chance in my mind. And I, it just it, it's laughable that all of us, all of us thought it was going to be Houston, except for me. I said the Angels again, and they're making me look <laughs> a little silly. Although earlier this year, shut up, Terry. Earlier this year, the, the Angels were in first, and they had a three-and-a-half game lead. And currently right now, they are in uh, – actually, no, I think they're in third. Yeah, they are in third. They're nine games out. They did kind of have a, an ugly streak. The Rangers and uh, the Angels just completely zig and zag there. Um, there was a nice five-game swing. The Angels were not that far back. But um, now the Houston Astros are closer to first than the Angels are closer to second. So while I could be wrong for the third year in a row for my AL West pick, I will say that the Rangers have a certain level of lethality that just does not seem to be um, – just visible in any other team in Major League Baseball outside of the Tampa Bay Rays, who seem to always have an answer for everything thrown in front of them. The Rays have uh, 359 runs scored. They're second in the majors. They have 234 runs allowed. They are seven runs worse than the Texas Rangers. So the Rangers and, and the Rays are the two best teams in the American league and the Houston Astros, they can take third or fourth, whatever. At the end of the day, it's not going to matter. They're not going to go anywhere. So they'll be watching other teams play uh, in the fall classic. It's not going to be them. Anything else you guys want to add? Uh, no, that's it. Yeah. Right on. Well, that is going to wrap it up for us tonight. We want to thank all of our loyal listeners and to our first time listeners as well. We appreciate all of you and we, Thank you all, whether you are listening to us on Spotify or Apple or anywhere where podcasts are available. Everyone have a great night. Take care.